Hello and welcome to Let It Be, the podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 39. You've written one book that you initially self-published but has now been picked up by a publisher um, and we'll talk about that in a sec and you're about to deep dive into writing your second. I've written three books with the third, a business book about to be released shortly and my fourth one is much more than an embryonic seed in my head. I'm pretty sure I know what that fourth one's going to be. So what I wanted to talk to you about today because seeing as we both came to writing books via blogging is why writing like what is it about a medium for communication that is so attractive to us and do you think it's ironic that we're talking about writing on a podcast (laughs) (laughs) I think it's ironic that I'm talking about writing on a podcast that is basically part of me not writing anymore (laughs) I started podcasting uh 18 months ago and really quickly stopped blogging. I still write blog posts, but they're all about the podcast. And it wasn't intentional, but I feel like at the time when I started podcasting, I was really burnt out from writing. Mm. And I love writing. I've always loved writing. That's how I think. It's how I untangle all the knots of thoughts in my head by putting them on a page and then slowly kind of teasing them out and figuring out what goes where. And sometimes I don't realize that I'm thinking something until I've written it. Like it's a real clarifying mm. process for me. And it always has been since I was, you know, an angsty teenager writing in my journal. That's how I do a lot of my thinking. So it was interesting and kind of challenging for me to get to a point where I didn't want to write anymore. And that's where podcasting came into it. So, yes, there is definitely irony and it's thick and rich <laughs> today. <laughs> it's funny because I'm a bit the same as you like so I started you started podcasting at the start of last year I started podcasting at the start of this year and I think about three weeks into it I sent you an email and I said Brooke I'm a bit scared I might never blog again because (laughs) because podcasting was so so much easier than writing but I think it was a bit the same as you I think I just finished up my second book as well and I just finished the edits on it so I was supremely supremely burnt out and yeah podcasting was just such an easy easy way to communicate a message and I think particularly a half-formed not so much message but idea and I think because of the format that we have like I don't have to enter into a conversation with you knowing exactly where we're going or exactly what I want to say because we can tease that out via conversation whereas if I was trying to cover the same topic in a blog post I would feel I need to be very very across it all so it needs to be researched and I need to know the point I'm trying to make and I need to know the change that I want to inspire in the reader and so I don't get to discuss half-baked ideas in blog posts but I do in podcasts and I kind of really like that yeah I've definitely done a lot of thinking and realizing through podcasting and that wasn't really my aim when I was starting it out I just wanted to try something new and it was enticing because it didn't involve a whole heap of writing but I I'm probably the same I've I've really learned a lot both from this podcast 
that's been running this year and then uh, the Slow Home podcast over the last couple of years, just from, I mean, I think there's something about having a conversation with someone almost face-to-face where you're exchanging ideas and then that, that kind of marinates in your brain in a different way to writing. But I don't know, I've been having these, these kind of really interesting conversations with people about podcasting and why they enjoy it more maybe than reading a blog uh, and then mm. also how there's a, a lot of commonality between reading a book and listening to a podcast. And at first I, I kind of didn't get it, but the person who started this way of thinking for me said it's sort of like reading a book and then watching the movie of the book. And the movie <laughs> yeah, of the book right. is never as rich and you know, and 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 beautiful or dark or scary or happy or whatever it is as it is in your head when you're reading the book. You know, when you're reading a book, you can build a world. And someone said the pod, that listening to a podcast is quite similar because you find yourself imagining the people who you're listening to and where they're sitting and what they're doing and how they interact. And, it, yeah, I found that quite interesting. And I think there's something to that, maybe why we're also drawn to podcasting because we're not putting, like, a thought directly into someone's eyeballs where you know allowing people to to kind of come to it and we're doing that ourselves as well I don't know if that's sort of a kind of a random tangent but I, there might be something in that for me I think as to why I enjoy both because I've really come back to writing over the last probably three months which is handy <laughs> I was gonna say Brooke can you just briefly share with people why you've come back to writing in the last three months <laughs> well, I'm writing you? a book I, yes I think I can uh, I'll let you know. <laughs> this whole section of the podcast would just be one long beat. No, I'm I'm writing a book. So a few years ago, I wrote an ebook called Destination Simple. And over the years, I've had publishers kind of contact me and ask if I'd be interested in writing a book. And we've gone through various stages of the process. I've written a few proposals and met a few people, and nothing has ever come of it, which I think is pretty normal when it comes to publishing. But earlier this year it kind of progressed a little further and the publisher wanted to not only publish a new book of mine, which I'm just starting to work on, but also publish my old ebook into a, you know, a book book. So that's, that's kind of been happening. So I've been rewriting that and yeah, the last month or so I've started working on my, my new book, which will be out next, late next year. So I'm definitely back into writing in a big way, <laughs> 2,000 words a day kind of way. <laughs> And so this is it, like writing is really, really hard. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. you find like it takes so much mental energy and it takes mental energy both when you're writing, like when you're actually doing the writing, but it also takes mental energy I don't know, I might be just talking for myself, but like when I'm deep in a book and I tend to write my books quite like in an intense way, like in a month. I just go head down, bum up and write it in a month because I find that with young kids and all the other commitments that I have, it's the only way to do it. And when I'm in that mode and I don't know if it's just because it is so intense, like it's all I'm thinking about and I can't think about anything else. And I certainly can't do any other writing at the time. And so you kind of almost think, is is this worth it? Like this intense pressure and headspace that I put myself in is it what like what's the payoff to us for what we're doing here when we're writing yeah it's a really good question I I mean I to be honest I've actually been surprised that I haven't been more overwhelmed mentally 
during the process. And to be fair, I'm not in the thick of it yet. You know, I'm, I'm like a month in, I'm, I'm really just putting stuff down on paper so that I can then go and use that to create something worthwhile later. You know, I'm really, I read an art, a quote the other day on Facebook I don't know if I mentioned this on a previous episode or not, or if it was just in conversation with you, but yeah. it was something along the lines of a writer's job during the first draft is to shovel. <laughs> that's right, I think I did, but because <laughs> you laughed at the same time. <laughs> shovel sand <laughs> into a sandbox so that you can build sandcastles later. And I actually felt found a lot of freedom in that because that's, I, I think I probably had unrealistic expectations of what writing a first draft of a book would look like. Because it's messy and it's kind of gross and I feel like I'm just shoving everything into a box at the moment. Yeah. And it is some kind of semblance of order but it's really, it's not a great deal. So, you know, I've never written a, like a full-length, you know, 80,000-word book before. So I just, I, I'm going with what feels right. And at the moment I know that if I was trying to put together page after page of really well-crafted you know, oh yeah, no. <laughs> straight out of my brain, I would probably just stop. Like I would become so overwhelmed. So I'm just doing what, like what feels right, I guess, which is just putting words out at the moment. And I don't, I don't know yet if it's going to be worthwhile. I mean, I'm enjoying it to be honest. I'm enjoying it far more than I expected to. And yeah, I, I'm, I maybe I'm waiting for it to become less enjoyable. What are you enjoying about it? I'm enjoying just the process. I think I'm really enjoying having a bit of faith in the fact that I'm I'm giving myself time and space to work this stuff out. And the good thing is I'm writing on a topic that I've spent a lot of time thinking Mm. about and writing about. So it's not like I'm starting from scratch and it's also not like I'm writing a novel where everything needs to be, you know, character-driven. Exactly, yeah. Like it's it's kind of unraveling from my brain word after word. This stuff has been in there for a while, you know, and I've got a, a decent outline and I know what I want the book to feel like and look like once it's finished, which is so much further ahead than I would have been if I had have tried to do this even 12 months ago. So I'm really enjoying just the – I'm almost enjoying the grind of it. I'm really enjoying the process <laughs> of getting up in the morning, getting my cup of tea, you know, doing my meditation and going straight into the office and working until seven o'clock. Like that's it. And I'm, I'm churning through a lot more work than I probably have ever done before, partly because I have a deadline, which is a great motivator, <laughs> <laughs> partly because I'm just like I really put that in my mind that that was going to be the process that I was going to write the first draft with and I will see if it works, you know. it's. But I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. You know what? I say I'm really enjoying it. This morning I felt like ripping my hair out. So, <laughs> so like, that's a more of a 10,000-foot view kind of enjoying it rather than an in-the-moment enjoying it. I guess there's the excitement of it, isn't it? Is it like it's the creative excitement, don't you think? Like, it's just like yeah. you are creating something like from scratch and bringing yeah. this thing into the world. And I think like that's what I kind of – I get excited about the – the creation process that like, you know, I think we all humans spend a lot of time consuming. Like, you know, I think of all the podcasts I listen to, the TV shows I watch, the articles I read, the things I scroll through on fake, you know, on social media. Like that's all stuff other people that have created that I'm consuming. So when I go into full creation mode, 
there's something so, so satisfying about it. So even though it's hard, and I think this is, um, I remember Carly, who is my straight and curly co-host, she was saying, you know, the things that you think you're passionate about, you might not actually be passionate about. And you can tell if you're not really passionate about something, if you only enjoy the destination and you don't enjoy the journey or the process. Mm. So you know, I think a good indication that you and I are truly passionate about writing and love that as a creative outlet is the fact that we can, in that down and dirty stage of creation, which is messy and frustrating and hair tearing out kind of stage, like that we can be doing that and still have a smile on our face. Because do you get like a little bit of a buzz from that whole creation thing of even when it's a bit hard, it's still buzzy. Absolutely. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. And I'm I'm feeling that at the moment, which is really nice because so often there's a lot of angst involved in creating things and, and concern. And I, yeah. I think that might come as I start to put it together and it gets closer <laughs> to, you know, other people actually reading it. But yeah, there's definitely a, a real kick that comes with creating something from scratch and and understanding that that's what you're doing you know and I I imagine that that would apply with you know painting or sculpture or something like that too like there's this really beautiful dichotomy I guess of you know creation and the joy of creating something but then also the absolute sheer frustration of knowing that it's never going to be exactly what you want it to be you know and I think that that's really the I was talking to someone over the weekend about like he's a performer and he's experience is exactly the same I mean different medium different challenges different set of skills different maybe reasons for taking it on as their thing but the process is exactly the same it's I you know I have this thing that I want to get out and I want to share it with people and I'm glad that I'm doing it but I'm also so frustrated that it's not I don't know it's I'm assuming that from conversations I've had with other people that it's it's really common that it never quite gets from the head to the page exactly the same way that you imagined it. I don't know that if whether that's just me or not, but I think that's the gap. If you remember Ira Glass yes. from uh, what is it? Uh, is it This American Life? <laughs> uh, this American Life. So he described that as the gap because it's the gap between what you want to do and the actual execution, mm. and you know. But he's saying like you kind of need the tension that that gap creates because it's the tension that gap creates that drives you to keep going and keep doing because every you know every single time you create you're kind of closing that gap a bit but it never it never shuts because it's like a bit the more you know the more you know how much you don't yes. know or the more you know Absolutely. the better you get at something yeah the better you know the greater the potential you realize that you have. So you never actually get there. And I actually think that's a good thing because I think the day that you get there is the day you just stop yeah. because what's the point anymore? Yeah, I, I would agree with that completely. Like I, Thinking just as you were speaking, there's so many conversations that I've heard, mostly on podcasts actually, with really, really successful, really accomplished people you know, film directors or actors or writers or comedians or musicians. And what always strikes me about them is the fact that the struggles that they talk about, like creatively, are so relatable. <laughs> yeah. They really are so uh, common's the wrong word, but 
I, I get it. And there's no real distinction other than maybe scope between those struggles and my struggles or those struggles and someone else who's creating something. And I, I find a lot of faith and, and kind of joy in that because it's it just doesn't go away. So I think maybe I've started to internalise this idea that that is just being creative and maybe that's why I'm not freaking out about it and maybe that's why I'm just enjoying the process or maybe it's because it feels like it's such an abstract thing in the distance that I don't need to worry about it yet. But yeah, I'm, I'm super enjoying it. Oh, that's awesome. So now I have another question for you. Uh, okay, I guess this is something front of mind for me at the moment. So probably my favorite writer on the web at the moment is Mark Manson mm-hmm. and he has recently released his first book and it's just gone ballistic. It's um, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Thank you, explicit. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a great book. He's I was a bit scared because I'm like I've already read every single thing that you've ever written, and what are you going to write? Is is this book going to thrill me? Because you know, I've already read everything you've had to write. And with Liz Gilbert, when she had when she released Big Magic, mm-hmm. it wasn't that the book was disappointing. It was a great book, but there wasn't anything new in there for me because right. I had so closely followed her writing. But anyway, so. I feel lucky that Mark exists because he right now, the way that he writes and there's a lot of subtleties to what it is that he does, um, the research, the storytelling, the way that he can convey a quite in-your-face message but wraps it up in a package that makes people take it on board so what he's doing is quite difficult and it's pretty much what I want to do like I want to be able to tell people kind of hard truths but in a way that they're not going to go oh piss off you don't know anything about my life so go away Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so I feel very fortunate that he exists right now because he is setting a standard that I I know where I want to go and I think that's really important as a creative person to have that person who's kind of pulling you up to their level if that makes any sense like do you have that kind of person is there someone who you look up to with regard to their writing and how they do I things? do Stephen King <laughs> I just <laughs> I do he's 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 not a he's a fiction writer but I don't care <laughs> I pretty much love everything that he writes and I I'm rereading on writing for like the 11 billionth time and it basically just lives <laughs> on my bedside table now but there's something about the way he encourages me to write really simply and really kind of intuitively almost like there is skill there and yeah. there are learnt like there's talent there's just god-given talent and then there's skill and there's this thing he talks about which is like the writer's toolbox you know and grammar and understanding of of structure and all those things are part of that toolbox but there's two things that underlie it one is is talent and the other is you know intuition and just writing really simply writing the way people speak and I think it's just slowly kind of imbued itself into the way that I write because people often comment on the fact that I just write really straightforward and I don't feel like that's what I'm doing at the time half the time I feel like I'm writing in massive looping circles that don't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, I just look up to, to him and, the, and also just the way he approaches the creative process. 
as well. He's got such a great sense of humour about it and he puts it in the position yeah. of importance that it is, which is that it's important, but it's not brain surgery, you know, and he takes it seriously as a, an art and a craft because it's it's what he does and it's what he loves, but he can also make fun of it too. Like there's that real self-deprecation, which I yeah. love, you know, that's kind of my jam. And, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, I read that book back to back every time. I think I'm always on the go at the like, on on a page in that book and it's dog-eared and it's got coffee stains in it and it's brilliant. The other book that I'm staring at right now actually is Strunk and White's The Elements of Style, which is seems super boring, but I really love it. I find it so interesting to read. <laughs> Do you know what? I haven't actually read that one yet. It's on my list because I um, only read on writing this year after we, we had a books episode and um, it was only after that that I kind of went – I really need to read this Stephen King book. I've like heard so much about it and never actually got there. And yeah, and I too too loved it as well. And as you say, it's his the way that he approaches it, his writing is he takes it very very seriously, but also not so seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's a really odd dichotomy that he's managed to have going there. And it's I found it so interesting and so lovely because I have the tendency to take everything so very very seriously and there's real it's like a weight off your shoulders when you hear someone like him go guys you know this is serious because this is your craft and you should practice it and work hard at it to become better at it yes but at the same time as you say it's not brain surgery it's not life or death if we write something and it's not that good no one's going to die, yeah, exactly. you know, and, you know, so, you know, your book might bomb and, and, you know, I think it's great also when you've got your Stephen Kings who like every book is not a success or Liz Gilbert where every single book is not a success and particularly loved how after Eat, Pray, Love, like she was very, very upfront about the fact that her best work might be behind mm. her, like, you know, and she's like, well, if that's the case, so be it, but that's not going to stop me from continuing to write because this is what I do. And just because a book, my you know my fourth or fifth book only sells a hundred thousand copies instead of fifty bazillion, doesn't mean that that book is any less good or useful. It's still helped people, and I think like kind of that's where I come to with writing is like, I love it. As a craft, I, I look at it as a bit of a puzzle. Like I'm like, here's something that I really want to say. And when I find the words to say it and communicate it in a way that connects with people, I'm just high-fiving myself because I've, I've hit it. You know, I've achieved the thing that I'm trying to do. But the reason I want it to connect with people is because I want to affect change in their life. You know, I write nonfiction. So I'm not writing just for the fun of it. I'm writing because I want to help you affect some kind of meaningful change in your life. And so that's when, yeah, when you manage to you know, write words in such a way that people are moved to email you and say, that made a difference to me. Like that's such, to me, the kind of almost the pinnacle and, and it doesn't matter how many books yeah. each of my books have sold if there's people writing you saying this has helped me make a change then that's kind of that's kind of it isn't it well it is for me no I, no, I agree with you because I think when I first wrote my my ebook you know I did it because I wanted to help people and I wanted to share some of the ideas that I've come across in terms of slowing down and different little ways you can 
you know, approach that in your day, regardless of how busy you are. Like that was my whole reason for doing it. And over time, as I kind of got down into the nuts and bolts of what it looked like to launch and how to sell it, it started to become about the numbers. Mm. And it took me a while to realize that that is not where any measure of success in in my terms lies. It wouldn't matter if it sold 100,000 copies, if it wasn't hitting in any way, you know, if it wasn't helping. But now when I get emails from people who say thank you because this helped me with X or Y or this was my life before and this is my life now and you're a small part of that, that is where it is. And I think when I lost sight of that for a little while, I really lost the joy of it and it started to become less about mm. what I wanted to share and more about what I thought would have what I thought would have a good impact on numbers or on reach or yeah. on engagement. No, 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 none of that matters. What about the person on the other side of the page? Like that one person and where they're reading what you have to say and how your words are impacting them. Like Stephen King talks about writing being a form of time travel. <laughs> like He was sitting yeah. in his room in the 90s writing those words, but now here I am in 2016 reading them and they still impact. Yes. And yes. to me, like that, that is the golden part. It's the person on the other side of the page. So when I, when I lost focus on that, I, it really affected what I had to say. And now that I've regained focus on that, like I feel like my bravery has come back and what I have to say is more important than the discomfort of maybe having to sit down and write it or the discomfort of, of having to, to actually say something that someone might turn around and have a problem with. But that's okay because, you know, the reason I'm doing it is because I want to share it. So, yeah, it's I, I really love that idea of time travel as a writer's kind of gift or, you know, super talent or super power. And when he, he kind of explained that, I don't know, it just opened something in my brain. Yeah, I mean, I look at, I you know, because I'm, I'm currently writing a post for hopefully for entrepreneur.com where it's 10 reasons why you should write a business book. And one of the reasons is legacy because it's just, and this is exactly that thing. So you have this idea now and that idea is probably going to stand the test of time. Like, you know, unless you're writing a book on how do you make Facebook ads work for you in 2016. But, you know, if you're writing the stuff that we're writing about, which is, you know, how to have a good and happy and content life, like those themes and ideas are, you know, are going to have relevance far, far, far into the future. And I do love, first of all, reading something, say, that I've written six years ago and going, huh, <laughs> this is, um, you don't expect to read something you wrote six years ago and expect it to, first of all, be any good, much less have stood the test of time. And when it does, like when you do come across a piece like that, it's so, so satisfying and gratifying yeah, and I look at both my books so far and, I, and certainly the, my third book, which is coming out within the next couple of weeks, which is more, more of a business book. And I've, I think I go to great pains to make the themes in there quite simple and things that are going to stand the test of time, things that are going to be useful to you now, but they'll be useful to you again in 10 years mm. or five years. And I think like what I loved particularly about my first book, which was called Your Best Year Ever, was I shared kind of seven simple mindsets in there that, you know, you change those mindsets, they can have quite a big impact. And I kept that one really short and sweet because I wanted people to both be able to read it and also reread it maybe six six months or a year down the track. 
And again, it was just so gratifying when people would email me and they went, you know what, I just read your book again for the second time. I first read it like six months ago and I got totally different things out of it this time. And it made, you know, it made a difference to me the second time round, almost as much, much as it did the first time round. And I just think that that, that's that kind of time traveling thing. And I, I just think yeah. it's so cool. And it's such a legacy, like we're not, if we die today, we're not taking our words with us. Like we are leaving behind some of our most important thoughts and they are going to live on way, way, way beyond, you know, if we just shared those thoughts with people in conversation. Mm, yeah, that's at that point right now is when I start to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm so inspired okay, don't think about by it. this. I'm so inspired by this thought of legacy. I'm, like, I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, there is absolutely something in that. And also, you know what? You don't die wondering. That's kind of, I think that's part of the yeah. joy of, of this process for me at the moment is that I'm not going to die wondering. I've always wanted to write a book. It's something that I, since sort of year seven, I realized I wanted to be a writer. And it's something that I had on the someday kind of list. And it's happening, you know, and there's like a real joy in that. I'll go, well, look, it might suck, but, you know, at least I would have done it. That's awesome. So. And isn't that cool? Because when did you um when did you first publish Destination Simple? Two thousand twelve. Okay, so it's two thousand twelve, two thousand sixteen now. So imagine if you didn't publish that yourself. Yeah. Imagine you sat around waiting and waiting for someone to come and offer you a book deal. Like it still wouldn't be out there. Mm-hmm. And ironically, the reason that the publisher has picked it up is because it was already out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. You know, so this is a thing. Like we live in such a beautifully golden age for writing now where like people like me, I don't I I hate dying wondering. I hate sitting around waiting for someone to pick me. I hate not being in charge of my own destiny. So being able to go, I've got this book in my head, I just need to get it out there to write it and then put it in people's hands, like it was kind of two months later. I kind of put myself under a little bit of pressure, but it doesn't worked. sound like something you'd do. <laughs> <laughs> started writing at the start of December, finished, got it in people's hands at the end of January. But you know, it's called your best year ever. You have to release it at the start of a year. But I just felt such satisfaction and joy at being able to do that so quickly and just make it happen and get it out there. And yeah, I just, I love that this age we live in right now, we don't have to sit around waiting for somebody else to come along Mm -hmm. and say, your words have value, let's share them with the wider community. Like, I don't know, maybe 5,000 people have read that first book. That's pretty awesome to me. Absolutely. And And I didn't need to get a publisher to say it's okay for you to put that in front of those people. I just did. And yeah, it's exciting and fun and I highly recommend it for anybody who yeah. is out there thinking about it but holding back because of fear or because of what people will say or what people will think or, or whatever. Just don't don't think about it. But, but also those fears don't go away, you know. Yes. <laughs> even when you're in the midst of writing, they don't go away. You just maybe become a bit better at managing them. So pick yourself. Anyway, that's what you and I both did. That's how we started. We both started blogging. Some voice in the back of our heads was saying what you have to say is valuable, even if it's just to yourself. So put it out there. You know, we didn't we didn't wait to be picked. We picked ourselves. And it took really sort of long and winding paths, but it's it's got to a point where the desire to put our words out there has become far greater 
than the desire to stay comfortable and you know and die wondering like we, I, I feel like it's it's been this this complete 180 really but it just takes time and that is never going to happen unless you do put yourself out there and, and pick yourself Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag LetItBePod or uh, head over to letitbe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.